0: Greetings to all of you in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to welcome uh, even the ones who are watching us online. We welcome you to the service. Uh, We're glad that you're part of the service and you are worshiping along with us this morning. Uh, Pray that the Word of God will come to you this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, speak to us. Speak to us this morning. We want to hear your voice. Speak to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to uh, go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. We've been considering a few things this past couple of weeks. Fight the good fight. Let's read it together. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. One more time. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So this is the, in the first epistle of Timothy, to Timothy. Paul wrote this in the first letter to Timothy, his spiritual son, and the one that he was raising up in faith, the one he was raising up in ministry. And uh, we read from the second epistle last week, second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. Uh, towards the end of his ministry, his ministry, his life, when he was in prison, from the Roman prison, from the confines of the Roman prison, Paul writes again to Timothy. This time, it's referring to the same thing, but on a different note. We considered that last week. I want to go back one more time uh, to verse 6. Is that right? Chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4. Okay, verse Seven. Okay, I'll read from verse six onwards. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. It's good to know. It's good to know that, the time, man, and I've come to tell you that the time of our departure has come. Not in the way that Paul wrote it here, but the time of our departure is. Is nearer than you you think, man. And then verse 7 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course and I've kept the faith. The earlier epistle, we we were seeing the instruction, you must fight the good fight of faith. And here we see, I have fought the good fight. So he's telling Timothy, look at me now. Look at how, how I did it. You can watch me, you can observe me. And he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course and I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day and not only to me but, to all, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Amen. If you love his appearing, make some noise this morning. Amen. Yes, you can do better than that. If you love... The appearing of Jesus Christ. Yes. That's right. I mean, you should, you should learn a, a thing or two from this man. One more time. If your love is appearing, make some noise. One more time. If your truly love is appearing, make some noise. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to go back uh, to the first verse of this chapter. There's so much in this chapter. So I want to read through this chapter one time. Uh, and I would like to consider uh, different things that the Lord has been showing me in this past few weeks. We have been considering the good fire of faith, yes. We have been considering laying hold of eternal life. We considered my, amen. We considered last week the upward and the, the forward leaning that we must have. We must be, we must be leaning forward and upward, amen, towards the call the call, the price the, Man the price. Amen, the price. They say the price. Man, keep your eyes on the finish line. So we consider all that. I want to go back to the first verse of this chapter. Let's go and read. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. And you be sober in all things, end your hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Keep in mind the fact that he's writing from the prison. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, has departed, has deserted from me and gone to Thessalonica. We considered this last week about Demas. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you. For he is useful to me for service. But Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak which I left at Troas with carpets and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself for he vigorously opposed our teaching. At my first defense, no one supported me but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me in order that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will deliver me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. erastus remained at Corinth, but Trophimus I left sick at Miletus. Make every effort to come before winter. Eubulus greets you. Also, Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brethren. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I like the opening line of this, this ending chapter, the closing words of this letter. The opening line of this last chapter. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. So I solemnly charge you. Say it loud, I solemnly charge you. Now I like the language that is used. He says, I solemnly charge you, uh, which, which means that Paul is not just giving a piece of advice to Timothy. It is not just a suggestion that he is presenting to Timothy. I suggest to you, no. I advise you, no. He says, I solemnly, say, solemnly charge you. And then he goes on to say, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. So he's, he's, he's talking about these four things and he's saying, by all these things, I charge you. Remember these things. Remember God, the Father. Remember Christ, The judge, the righteous judge, remember his appearing. Remember his kingdom. And I charge you by all of this. I solemnly charge you by all of this. That means this is not an ordinary sentence. Say not ordinary sentence. Say not an ordinary sentence. This is a very intense sentence. Say intense line. It's a very personal instruction. Full of purpose. Say full of purpose. It is full of purpose. It is full of instruction. Say instruction. It is full of command. And what is so mind blowing about this line in this letter? In fact, you read through the letters of Timothy, uh, uh, the letters of Paul to Timothy, you will see that their relationship was not an ordinary. You understand? Their relationship was not order. It was not just a. Timothy was not just another face in the crowd for Paul. Are you with me? Timothy was not just a, another face in the crowd. He was not the backbencher in church for Paul. He was not the, uh, another name in the contact list for Paul. It went much beyond that. Paul had the freedom to tell Timothy, I solemnly charge you. Without any filters. Say without any filters. See, so if, if, if it was, if it has to be politically correct, we, nobody will make a statement like that. He'll say, no, I, I, I recommend to you, uh, you think about it, pray about it, but I, this is what I have as an advice for you. That's how we speak, right? I speak a lot like that. But yeah, I speak like that. I, 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 I have to be honest. I have to be honest. But I also get to speak the other, the other way also. I, I, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not saying that I don't get to speak the other way, but oftentimes I get to speak like this only. I recommend, you know, you just... Just, just, just listen to this, just see whether it works for you, pray about it, think about it and see how the Lord leads you. But here, no filters. Paul is just straight away getting into the point, of, I solemnly charge you by God. I solemnly charge you by Christ who is going to come, the righteous judge. I solemnly, char- solemnly charge you by His appearing. I solemnly charge you by His kingdom. That means Paul had access, say access. Access. Paul had such access into the life of this man by the name Timothy. And Paul knew it. It was not just residing in the mind of Timothy. Paul knew that he had access to speak in this manner to Timothy. So he speaks to Timothy without any filter. No filters, I solemnly charge you. You You don't talk like that to anybody that comes across. No, you don't talk like that to anybody that... Anybody that comes your way, no, you don't talk like that. If you have to speak like that to somebody, you, you must know, you must have the conviction, yes, I have the freedom to talk like that, like that to this person. They had a very, per, say personal. They had a very transparent, say transparent. They had a very open, say open. Say dynamic spiritual relationship paul knew that if i use these words timothy will not be so touchy and he will not be on the defensive paul knew that he can take the liberty to speak to timothy in this manner in fact that is what allowed the holy spirit to transact between the two of them and we are beneficiaries of that transaction 2000 years later we are still studying how they transacted how the Holy Spirit transacted between them. Because it was such a flu- say fluid, say fluid. Such a fluid relationship. Freely it could flow. Paul could speak in this manner. Without the fear of, will I be offending him? Will I lose him? No. He said, I solemnly charge you. I solemnly charge you. And if you, if you read First Timothy, you will see the same thing. I command you. First letter also same. So that means Paul never changed his language. I was giving some parental advice this week to somebody and I was saying, your child must recognize your voice as a voice of comfort, as a voice of love, as a voice of correction, as a voice of rebuke. One more time. Your child all the parents some of you are like you know you you look like you, you 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 got it but i want you to i want to remind you by the word of god your child must know your voice as a voice of comfort yes as a voice of love yes that includes pampering and all that but also as a voice of correction and also as a voice of rebuke your child must get used to that so one fine day i mean you came to the end of the road with this, this child of yours because something terrible happened, and you lost your cool. and you opened your mouth to speak in rebuke. The child is looking at you like, "Who are you?" Because the child is not used to your voice being like that. Don't let that happen to your child. Don't let that happen to your child. Don't let that happen to your grandchildren. Grand, grandparents once you become grandparents you have matured and you have become like God you become like God you, you don't want to in any way you want to come in the way even if, if parents uh, you know try to correct you come in the way you stand in the way how dare remember the stick I used against you I still have it really my kids run to the my parents refuge it's a good relationship But what I'm saying, your children must know your voice as a voice of correction. People who are given to you under your care must know your voice as a voice of correction. Only then the Holy Spirit can transact, say transact. Only the Holy Only then the Holy Spirit can flow from one person. Only then the Holy Spirit can impart, say impart. Impartation can only happen only if there is freedom. Say freedom. And openness. And transparency. Say how, why could, how could Paul say, Timothy, you are my true son? How could he say that? He had many that he tried to raise. But Timothy says, you are my true son in faith. Why? Because their relationship was so transparent, so open, so fluid. The, The kind of relationship that you have with someone determines your language of communication with that person. Now, I can overhear your conversations to somebody. Let's say you are talking to somebody over the phone. And I can guess whether you're talking to your spouse or to your child or to your boss. You know what I'm saying? So the kind of conversations that you have depends on the kind of relationship that you have. Jesus could talk to his disciples. Why? Because it was transparent. It was open. It was open. He could speak. He could could even say, get thee behind me, Satan. Peter did not go. Peter did not leave. The one who had to leave left, by the way. You understand? No, no, I want you to consider this, okay? Consider... To begin with, how can God speak to you? What kind of language can he use with you? Can he use with you? Can God say to you, I solemnly charge you? Will you take offense if God were to tell you, I solemnly charge you? Now I want to know that there are many Christians who take offense in that. If God were to tell you, I solemnly charge you, how dare you say like that to me? And this is truth. Because you're not used to knowing God as a father who loves you even in his correction. The son in whom he loves, he corrects, the Bible says. The son whom he loves, he corrects. He delights to correct, by the way. So can the the Holy Spirit solemnly charge you to get something done? Is there a godly voice in your life which can solemnly charge you? In the life of many, many Christians today, the the voices of correction and instruction are being pushed back to the defensive. Do not step on my toes. Don't step on my toes. Modern day Christianity, don't step on my... And by the way, you will know that the the tendency was there, even there in the 1st century church. But now it's so rampant. In modern day Christianity, mentors and pastors are hushed up, say hushed up. Don't talk like that. And I've seen children talk to their parents like that. You can't talk like that to me. Really? Really? Parents can't talk like that to children? Since when? Since when? I need my space. And I want you to know that that is so unhealthy. That is so unhealthy. When when the Paul's When the Pauls of this world are silenced, Timothy's won't grow up. When the Pauls of this kingdom are silenced or gagged, Timothy's will fail to rise up. When the voice of a father is silenced, the son will be prevented from growing up. We see that in the Bible. We see that when one generation kept quiet, what happened to the next? They were led astray. Because one generation's silence will cost, will cost, it'll be costly for the next generation. Are you getting this? Now, whether you like it or not, I'm going to speak it. Yes. And this, this uh, condition, say condition, this spiritual condition is exactly why we are where we are today. The church, the world at large also is where we are today because we we want to silence the voice of correction. We want to gag the voice of correction. So my question to you is, by the way, do you know what is solemnly? Do you know what is solemnly? God, mean may solemnly charge you. Huh? Sorry? With reverence. That's good. You're right. Huh? In the presence of God. Say, who said seriously? Yes. Yeah. Say seriously. <laughs> solemnly means seriously. It means without fun. Without any fun. Without any joking. Without any lightness, I solemnly charge you. It means firmly, say firmly. I firmly charge you. Can the church handle serious talk anymore? Can the church handle serious talk anymore? Oh, I can't handle that. I can't ha- handle how things are done in this church. It's too, too serious. Really? Since when you, ha- you have failed, where, since when have you come to that place where you can't handle serious talk? Why, why do we need everything to be colored up or sugar-coated and um, presented in, in sparkling colors We come to that place where to, to stay awake in church, the pastor has to go for uh, humor training. He has to like, you know, buy hard a few lines, jokes. So the, the church will stay alert. Because you, you switch off the moment, things get serious. It, it is a serious condition. It is a very serious condition. And it, it, it will start in the church as a minority. Okay. This condition will start in the church as a minority. Then it spreads. It spreads. Because you can't handle serious talk. But here Paul starts straight away and says, I solemnly charge you. With all seriousness, I charge you. Without any fun, without any joking, I charge you. And then he presents those four things. By God. By Christ Jesus. By his appearing. By his kingdom. I charge you. Don't live a life when everything has to be light and humorous. Anything stern is not acceptable or palatable anymore. You give that frown. And that reflects in our homes today. The reason why our homes are failing, our, our relationships are failing in our homes, is because we have embraced this attitude. It started in the church, maybe. It started in the way we respond to correction and now it's come into our families. Today, the word of God is replaced by psychological books. The way we parent, the way we raise our children. We don't depend on the, this book anymore. We don't depend on the Bible anymore. We depend on psychology books. Oh no, 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 no. The child will get hurt if you scold. Don't hurt the tender feelings of a child. If you don't hurt the tender feelings of a child, you will hurt that child's soul. He'll be tormented in hell. That's what the Bible says. If you spare the road on the child, if you use the road, you are rescuing the child from hell, the Bible says. You all know that. You all have read. Have you all read this? You want to find that church where the children are free to do what they want to do. When the pastor does not mind... Conversations in the front. I've asked my children to sit in the front so I can scold them. I can rebuke them. And they're cool with it, right? Say yes. That's the right answer. Yeah. Sharon is laughing her heart out because she's been a pastor's kid. She has been on the other side. You, have, you don't have a choice. Hallelujah. So psychology has replaced the word of God in our relationships, in our marriages, in our parenting. Who can solemnly charge you today? Is there anybody who can solemnly charge you today? Is there anybody who can solemnly charge you today? Do you even know what's a solemn charge? Have you even heard it? Have you even heard it? Are you familiar with a solemn charge? If you are not being solemnly charged by a godly voice, whether you acknowledge it or not, there is a worldly voice solemnly charging you in disguise, which you fail to understand maybe. But that's the truth. You are being solemnly charged by the world without even you knowing day in, day out. Why? Because you failed to be solemnly charged by the godly voice over your life. Maybe it is a morning newspaper, you read it and then you are being solemnly charged by the, the news editor of this media company or that news anger who speaks to you in the morning. You're being solemnly charged. Maybe that, that wrong influence, you're not even part of the conversation. I had that experience this week. I was not part of a conversation but I was overhearing a gang of people just talking rubbish. And I'm like, what is, what is going on here? And people are just drawn to this conversation. People are just like, you know, cuddling up around this conversation. And that's when I remembered, do not sit in the seat of scoffers. So if, you, if, you're not, if you're not alert, you can get solemnly charged by the world. Even by conversation that you're not part of. Even by conversation that you're not meant to be part of, by the way. Because the world is constantly throwing things at you, whether you know it or not. Constantly, the media is throwing things at you. Constantly. And you come to church, the most see, sleepy place for you on this earth is the church. Everywhere else you are at your best alertness. But in church, you can't stay awake because you're so used to resisting a solemn charge. That's why. Somebody respond. respond. Let, the, let the Lord break the hardness of your heart today. It is for your good. 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 You don't want to talk to your pastor. You don't want to talk to your leader. You don't want to talk to your father. You don't want to talk to your Sunday school teacher. You don't want to talk to anybody. You want your space. Don't step on my toes. It is such an unhealthy place to be. And then you find those people who accept the way you are. And you tag along with them. You have conversations with them. You avoid conversations that can stand in the way of your way. Are you getting this? You avoid conversations that challenge you in the way of destruction. We're coming to that. It's all mentioned in the same chapter, in the same chapter, in the same book. Allow the voice of the Holy Spirit to solemnly charge you every single day of your life. Every single day of your life. In fact, you must be coming to church with this attitude. Lord, solemnly charge me. Speak to me. But you come to it, you come to church with baggages. That person hurt me last week, last year. On this day, uh, you know the worship leader told like this to me. You know, that person who, who, who serves in church, he, he did not smile at me. The pastor did not do this to me. You're coming with baggages. So what happens? When the Holy Spirit wants to release something to you, it, it stands in the way. It is not fluid. There's a resistance. There is opposition. Say opposition. That's how the devil works. And by the way, if you're a minister of God, you will know this for yourself. You will know when there is a resistance. You will know when there is no openness. You will know it. Because it is spiritual. Mm -hmm. Cherish the voice of instruction. Say cherish. Cherish Cherish. the voice of instruction. Cherish the voice of instruction. Love your teacher. Love your teacher. Today morning the Lord showed me four of my teachers in my random thoughts. And I was just saying thank you Lord. Just saying, thank you, Lord. Just just out of nowhere, they popped into my head. And some goodness that I've received from them. I'm talking about my school days. I've not even met them in like so many years. But randomly, the Lord just put in my my heart four four different teachers. And I said, Lord, thank you. Cherish teachers. Cherish your, your leaders. Cherish the ones who speak to you. The word of God. Desire earnestly for continual. Say continual. This is very tough, I'm telling you. Desire earnestly for continual spiritual mentoring, continual shepherding, continual fathering, Now, if you lose focus of that, I I want to tell you this, okay? This is from my life, I'm testifying. I don't have a shadow of doubt what I'm saying is true. This is a spiritual principle that I have benefited from and I want to pass it on to you. The greatest privilege that you can get as a believer of Christ Jesus is to get discipled. Is to get discipled and covered and cared for by a father. By a spiritual authority. That is the greatest privilege that you can get on this earth. Amen. The most precious thing. But we don't understand the value of it. We, we take it for granted. We take it for granted. When you have the access, you take it for granted. And then it goes on to say... Do not accumulate for yourself. Teachers in accordance to your liking. accordance to your preference. You want to go to the person who will speak in your language. You want to go to that person who will speak, who will approve of your, your mistakes, your wrongdoings, your inclinations. Yeah, okay. Ah, that's right. You're, you're doing well. You're doing good. Huh? And that, That's the right way to do it. In fact, I remember I, I spoke to somebody and this, this, this seldom happens, but I spoke to somebody and I think uh, she was overhearing my conversation. And I, I just wanted to finish the conversation. So I said, yeah, good. I cut the call and she said, why did you say good? You know it is not good. I said, yeah, that's right. I should not have said good. I just wanted to end the conversation. I was so irritated, so pissed off by what this person is up to. I said, yeah, good. It's not good. Not good. Be open to the Holy Spirit. Three people. Be open to the Holy Spirit. I want my church to be open to the Holy Spirit. I want my church to be open to the Holy Spirit. I want my people to be open to the Holy Spirit. 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 Spirit. Submit to His solemn charge. Submit to His solemn charge. Reject the voice of strangers. Reject the voice of strangers. Don't give heed to the voice of a hireling. I told you, I'm not going to speak what you like. But I'm going to speak to you what God put in my heart today. And I want you to take it. I want you to take it. I'm solemnly charging charging you today. Discern the voice of deception. The, the greatest danger of today's church is they are so susceptible. They have become. We have become so susceptible for deception. We are so prone to deception because of we've made it all light, say light. So we don't know what is right, what is wrong. all of Ellen, Georgia. So everything goes, anything goes. There's no standard. You don't discern the voice of a stranger. You don't discern the voice which can put you in danger. So anything goes. I, and I want you to know that the work which the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life is entirely de- entirely, is entirely dependent on you being yielded to him. He cannot do anything in your life, if you're not yielded, he cannot. He will not. That's the the God that we serve. God will not do anything in our lives. Once you've come into the kingdom, He will not do anything in our lives unless we are yielded to Him. He wants to work His good pleasure. He works it out for us. But we have to be yielded to it. We have to be submitted to it. That's why the Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil. We are resisting God and we are submitted to the devil. And we expect things to go well with us. It won't go well with us. The Holy Spirit will take you only as far as you want to go with Him. I'll repeat that one more time. The Holy Spirit will take you only as far as you want to go with Him. He will not push you. You would like to have some push, but He will not push you. But he will tell you. This is the way, walk in it. Amen. But he will not push you into it. Then he is then not God. Then he is then contradicting his nature. See, we are not robots. Do you know that? We are not programmed. We are predestined, but that is not the same as pre-programming. Predestined, because of his foreknowledge, we are predestined. But that does not mean that God will push us into something. No, he will not. He will not. It requires of our yielded nature, our submission, amen, to the will of God, us embracing the will of God. Do you know that Christ could have walked away from the cross? Do you know that? Do you know that Christ could have walked away from the cross? He could have, could have. He could have. He could have turned back. I'm not doing this. He could have. that's right he came to that place he said not my will my will is your will so let's 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 do it together my will is your will not my will but your will i embrace your will Amen. i embrace your will Amen. don't expect to hear from god anything beyond what you want to hear from him i'm not hearing anything from god i'll tell you why because you don't want to hear anything from god you don't want to hear anything in that direction God is not giving me any guidance regarding that. I'll tell you why. Because you don't want to hear any guidance from him. Regarding that, that's why. That's why. why. He beckons you to draw nearer. Mm -hmm. But he will not pull you in. What does the Bible say? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Meaning he will not restrict you. The access is open to everyone. You can enter in through the blood of Christ, anytime you want to. Because the throne of grace is accessible to you. But he will not pull you in. He will not ask you. Ask the angels, uh, even if he's not resisting, just take him. Arrest him and bring him. No, he will not do that. God will not do that. We have some wrong understanding about God. That's not how God works. If you don't want to hear, you, won't. you don't want to hear. If you, if you don't want to be in the presence of God, you won't be in the presence of God. If you don't want to serve God, you won't serve God. That's all. Are you to know that? I mean, some of you think that, you know, even if he will go against your wish, he will go against your will to make you do something that you don't want to do. He will not do it. He will not do it. He will not do it. If you don't want to serve God, you will not serve God. But because the call of God is upon your life, you will have a tough time. That is there. You will have a tough time resisting the will of God. But he will not make you do something which you are not open to doing. He will not. And he will not speak to you something which you don't want to hear. Because you keep ignoring God. God will not speak to you. He will not. But when you want to listen, call unto me and I will answer you. That's how God works. When you call unto him, meaning you want to hear from God. And when you call unto him, he will answer you. And he will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So first you have to realize, I don't know that. Okay, I don't know that. Then you have to decide, okay, I'm going to call God. Because he knows. So I call God in my lack of knowledge and then he will answer me and tell me things which I don't know. But in my lack of knowledge, if I'm pretending like I know it, I know it. I got it sorted. You don't want to hear God. You're you're in your knowledge, self-knowledge, self-reliance. God won't speak to you and you perish and you you fail to grow and you stay where you you are. You will not grow an inch. In the spiritual, that's why right. that's right. In the spiritual, you don't grow an inch. What I'm trying to tell you is your Christian life will be exactly according to what you how you want it to be. You can desire, you can decide, you can draw the limits, you can decide how much you want to experience the spirit of God. He gives the spirit without measure. He's an immeasurable spirit. Say immeasurable. Unlimited is the experience some of you think that Paul was at a better place than us. I want you to know that. No, he was not because he could go to third heavens and all. No. If he could go to third heavens, you can also go to third heavens. If Philip could be teleported, you can also be teleported. So that is not restricted from you. It's about the will of God and you embracing the will of God. If you don't want to have those experiences, you will not have that. And even even with regards to speaking in tongues, we have this idea the spirit will come and make you para para. You say, you say. No, he will not do that. He will not do that. That's not how I received the gift of tongues. I desired so earnestly, so desperately, I said, I want it. And I just allowed the Holy Spirit to speak through me. That's it. He will not push you into anything that you don't want. He will not push you into believing anything you don't want to believe in. That's the God that we serve. So when when the Bible says, I solemnly charge you, then you have to tremble because he wants to tell you something and you have to submit to that. You have to be yielded and open to that. Because if you resist, it will not go well with you. So what is the solemn charge to Timothy? Let's, Let's look at that. The solemn charge to Timothy. It says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. I, I like the Amplified. Okay, I'm going to read the Amplified. Do we have the Amplified? Okay, put the Amplified, verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. I think you have the classic, classic version. Which is okay. It must be almost similar. Let's, okay. Preach the word. Okay, I'll read the Amplified. This is the classic Amplified. Preach the word as an official messenger. Be ready when the time is right and even when it is not. Preach the word as an official messenger, an authorized messenger. Be ready when the time is right and even when it is not. Keep your sense of urgency. Whether the opportunity comes, seems favorable or unfavorable. Whether convenient or inconvenient. Whether welcome or unwelcome. I'll read it one more time. Preach the word as an official messenger. Be ready when the time is right and even when it is not. Keep your sense of urgency, whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether convenient or inconvenient, whether welcome or unwelcome. Correct. Those who err in doctrine or behavior. Warn. Those who sin. Exhort and encourage those who are growing towards spiritual maturity. With inexhaustible patience and faithful teaching. The solemn charge is not to look out for opportunities. I solemnly charge you, look out for opportunities. No, that's not what Paul told Timothy. Because he's mentoring Timothy in ministry. So I want you Timothy to be, you, you must be on the lookout for opportunities. No, it is not to look out for invitations. It is not to look out for congregations. It is not to look out for big breaks in ministry. It is not to look out for visas or for etiquettes or for sponsors or for networks or for connections. The solemn charge is to preach the word and to be ready at all times in favorable and unfavorable circumstances, inconvenience or out of convenience, whether welcome or unwelcome. This, 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 You must do a study. I'm, I'm, I encourage you. This must be a study in your life. Personal study. When the Bible says, preach the word in season and out of season, study it. What does that mean? Whether you are ready or not, always be ready. Whether you are up to it or not, be ready. It's not about you, you seeking the opportunity. No, see, the Bible never says, seek for the opportunity to preach. The opportunity is always there. Always there. Whether you are confined to the... This man was confined to the prison. He was still preaching the word. In the prison, you can, you can preach the word. He said, when I'm in chains, the gospel is not in chains. I'm a prisoner of the Lord, but I'm, the gospel which I preach is not in chains. Oh, I don't have money. I don't have resources. So what? You have God. You have the spirit of God. You have the word in your heart. Preach. Preach. Now, if you're waiting for like a perfect setup, like, you know, the lights are to come and to drop on you and all, then, yeah, you will wait. You will just wait. And the devil can easily sway you to some other direction because you're not waiting for the preaching of the word. You're waiting for opportunities. You're waiting for convenience. You're waiting for favorable things. You're waiting for welcome situations. Then he goes on to say, Correct those who err. Those who are in error in, of doctrine. Correct them. Correct them. Warn those who are in sin. There are those who are still in sin. Correct them. Exhort them or encourage those who are growing. Encourage them to grow up. With what? With inexhaustible patience and faithful teaching. Say teaching. teaching. Say teaching. teaching. Say teaching. teaching. Do you love teaching? Really? Is that why you all show up for Bible study? Is that why you all of you show up for Bible study? You love teaching? Don't lie to me. Do you love the teaching of God's word? Is that why you are all stay, staying awake? You know, so alert, so full of response when the word is being ministered? Don't lie to the Holy Spirit. Don't lie to the Holy Spirit. But I want you to know that the only hope for you is to submit to teaching that's god's plan for a christian that's right that's right we want shortcuts to heaven no shortcuts to heaven no shortcuts in christianity no shortcuts shortcuts for growth the disciples did it they sat under the teaching of christ the first century church did it they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles how do you think you can do some other way you can't you can't don't fool yourself don't fool yourself Call for readiness and to be made available to the Holy Spirit at all times. To correct, meaning to reprove, to rebuke, meaning to warn, to exhort, meaning to encourage. If one soul is what you have access at the moment, preach to that person. If one soul is what you have access to at the moment, preach to that person. If you are a student in a school, preach to your friends. Don't wait till you finish school and then you join college. And then finally you, if there is time, you join Bible college. And then after you graduated, I'll preach. No. Wherever you are, preach. Preach. You're not to waste a single opportunity to preach the word to somebody. It's the solemn charge of the Holy Spirit over our lives. It's like Paul telling Timothy, I don't give you an option here. That's how he's speaking. I'm not giving you an option here. Whether you are up to it or not, whether you have the opportunity or not, whether you are feeling like it or not, preach the word. Preach the word. Whether you're convenient or inconvenient for you, it does not matter. Preach the word. No options for you. I solemnly charge you, by God, by Christ, by His appearing, by His kingdom, preach. At all times, preach. Minister the word minister the word with a sense of urgency be ready with a sense of urgency irrespective of the circumstances with relentless relentless with relentless patience in teaching you must teach with such patience see parenting requires a lot of patience it requires patience otherwise you will take your kid and kick kick him out of the park because you don't have patience to raise up a child. It's so annoying to raise up children. I've raised three. I'm still raising three. It's not easy. Jenny is smiling. She has shared some confidential information with me. I will not keep, I will not divulge it to you. But you know what I mean? Raising children is not easy. The easy way out is let them grow the way they want to grow. Let them reach where they want to reach and we'll see but the bible says train up a child in the way he should go training is the most difficult thing to do under the sun training in anything you give tra- the most difficult job on earth is teaching and training whether it is in schools in colleges in, in sports in music whatever it is a difficult thing it's difficult and it applies to parenting also it is not easy So here it says with relentless patience, with with, um, inexhaustible patience, without growing tired. Teach. And then he goes on to say, verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. It's Not a small warning that Paul is writing to Timothy. A time is coming. He's talking about our time. He's talking about our time. We are in that time. A time has come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They don't want to hear anything truth. Truth is not comfortable. Truth is not comfortable. Because truth will not give space for spiritual laziness. Truth will not give space for uh, being, staying in the place that you are. Truth will challenge you. Truth will challenge you. It'll poke you. It'll question you. But wanting to have their ears tickle. You know what we all want to hear? If given a choice, you're doing it right. You're perfect. You're absolutely doing well. This is how you must be. Don't change at all. Don't change. Don't even think of growing. Don't even think of, this is perfect, perfect stature you have. You are you, in shape. You are in shape. Don't change. Stay this way. That's what we all want to hear. Another, How our, light, uh, our faces will light up when, you know, if somebody were to come and tell you, you're looking good. We used to, I used to tell uh, Ken, you know, when he was going to the gym, every now and then I'll pull his, like I said, you're looking. And he's like, that, that smile on his face, because his labor is... Showing up and others are recognizing. That's how we all want to hear in the spiritual as well. We want to hear compliments, say compliments. We don't want to hear correction. We don't want to hear challenges. So when when correction comes our way, we are so distracted. But if fun is coming, entertainment is coming our way, we are all alert. We will not miss a beat. We will not miss a line. We will not miss anything. But correction, switch off. See, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He is speaking to you today. He is speaking to you today. For the time will come when they will not end your sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. So... they will reject the teachers that God gives them and they will find for themselves teachers that they won't have. Teachers who will approve of their wrongdoings. They say because he, they accept me the, the, way they, uh, the, the, the way I am. See, nobody can accept you the way you are. Only God can. Let's come, to, let, let's come to the bottom line. Nobody can accept you the way you are. Not even you. I know that my wife can't accept me the way I am. She can't. Only God can. And she's the one who loves me the most on this earth. I know that. But even if she can't accept me the way I am, I have to change, for me to me to be acceptable to her. So don't come with this doctrine, they accept me for who, you, who, who I am, and you know, He just embraces me for who I am. No. Nobody can. Only God can. You know why he does? So he can change you. Not that, that he wants to stay, you to say that way, no. He accepts you the way you are so that he can change you. He can transform you. He can correct you. He can refine you. He can purify you. But we don't want, we are not thinking about all that. I just want to come with this baggage. I want to walk with this baggage. I want to live the rest of my life this way and I'm not going to change. So I'm going to find a place which will accommodate all this dirty garbage. That's what the Bible says. And accumulate for themselves. Not one, not two, but many. Accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Because they can't endure solemn charging. They can't endure sound doctrine. They just want the ears to be tickled. You're doing good. You're looking good. You're going to make it. You're doing well. You're going to finish strong. Really? And will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. They turn away their ears from the truth. They will turn away their ears. They don't want to hear the truth. They'll turn away. They they will avoid, say avoid. They will avoid coming to church. They will avoid coming for Bible study. They will avoid times of fellowship. They will avoid because they want to turn away their ears from the truth. And they want to give attention to myths. Now, sometimes when I consider what people trade, what people trade with in exchange of being in the house of God, we have scriptures that that scream at us saying, better is one day in his courts than thousands elsewhere. Than a thousand elsewhere. Really? I'll, I'll ra- I would rather be a doorkeeper. One version says, I will rather scrub the floor of the house of God, the sanctuary. I would rather scrub the floor of the sanctuary than be found in a party. It's one of the versions, one of those um, paraphrased versions. Turn away the ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths, but you. The world can go the direction that they want to go, but you, but you, you, because you are my son. I have freedom to tell you the truth. So I'm telling you the truth. I'm instructing, I have the freedom to solemnly charge you. So I give you this charge, but you. Be sober in all things. What do you mean by sober? What do you mean by sober? The only time when we, we relate so, sobriety is with drunkenness. But here it is not talking about just that. Be sober in all things. I mean, don't get on a high. Don't get, don't get on a high. Whatever comes, you're so excited. Oh, oh you, you, must come. you must You must, you, you should have this. You must do this. You must be here. Don't be like that. Be sober in all things. Be level-headed. Be composed about life. Let nothing overwhelm you. Let nothing overwhelm you. There's this new gadget. You're so excited. You just can't wait to buy it, to have it. Let nothing overwhelm you. Be sober in all things. In all things. Oh, he's coming to town. She's coming to town. Be sober in all things. Be sober. The only one that must excite you like that should be Christ. Only Jesus, I'm telling you. Only Jesus. But Jesus does not give you any goosebumps. That's the place that you want to put your feet up and, you know, yeah, Jesus is there. He's in our midst, but, you know, that does not excite me much. But if a sudden celebrity of a certain stature is in town, you're excited, you'll go you'll go all the way, way and, and and purchase a ticket and you want to be there why you want to do, you don't want to miss the fun you are after fun and you miss out the solemn charge of the holy spirit but you be sober in all things if it if it said in some things you can you need not be sober then we had the freedom to be out of sob- sobriety in certain things. But the Bible says, be sober in all things and then it says, end your hardship. So let's, let's, let me make it very clear. If you don't know, Christian life has got hardship. It is a hard life to live. Especially ministering for the Lord. It's a hard life to live. End your hardship. End your hardship. Don't expect a a cakewalk don't expect a bed of roses no Endure your hardship do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry fulfill the ministry that God has called you to fulfill the ministry whatever it is first of all you must know what's your ministry you must know what's your ministry you must know what's your calling and some of us have defined our calling so I mean it's it's defined by ourselves it's so defined by our senses Not by the the voice of God. If I could define my calling, according to my senses, I will not be doing what I'm doing today. I would not have been here. This is not defined by me. This is not planned by me. So don't get into that thing that your calling can be defined the way you want to define it. No, you have to hear the Holy Spirit. You have to ask God. Be sober in all things. End your hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And then he goes on to talk about, for I am being poured out as a drink drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. We consider all that. I want to go back to the passage that we were considering, a few verses down. I'm going to finish in in a few more minutes. Verse 10. Verse 9, it says, Make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. We considered this last week. If somebody was walking with Paul. In fact, we saw in two other epistles, this name was mentioned. Demas greets you. And the place it says, Demas, the fellow laborer, greets you. My fellow laborer greets you. So Demas was one among the team, one of the, one of the key members of his team, I believe. But here, in, towards the end of his ministry, Paul is writing to Timothy and saying, Demas has deserted me. He has left me. Where has he gone? Having loved the present world, has deserted me and gone. So, so it is, that means the Bible is telling us it is possible to desert the call of God. It is possible that we have a tendency to be lured by the, 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 the love of this present world and go after it and miss out on the call of God. That's why it is written here. Demas, having loved the present world, has deserted me and gone. And he mentions a few others also who have gone, not, not like this, not in this manner, but they have left for whatever reason. And the reasons are not mentioned there. And then I want you to come to verse 14. It talks about Alexander the coppersmith. Say Alexander. The coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. So who is this Alexander? We have a mention of Alexander in two other places. Uh, to Timothy in particular, the, the first uh, epistle to Timothy, chapter 1 and verse 20. Let's go there. First Timothy, chapter 1 and verse 20. Among these are Hemenios and Alexander, whom I have delivered over to Satan so that they may be taught not to blaspheme. So that means Alexander, if it's the same person, they were one. They were together. At one point, because of what he was doing, Paul decided to take off the covering. I'm not going to cover him anymore. I'm not going to give him the covering of the church. And he said, I've handed him over to Satan, so that they may be taught not to blaspheme. Because he was blaspheming. And here in... The second epistle, chapter, verse 14, it says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. He harmed me. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Given over to God. Okay, now God decides. I'm not going to stand in the way of what God wants to do in his life. And then he goes on to say, be on guard against him yourself. Just like Jesus said. Jesus told, told the, the disciples, if they did not spare me, they're not going to spare you either. If the world hated me, they're going to hate you also. So likewise, Paul is saying, this man harmed me. So I want you to be on the guard against this guy. Because he vigorously, says, he vigorously opposed our teaching. So vigorously opposed teaching. So vigorously opposed the teaching. Never be found in a place where you're opposing a teaching. Don't oppose the teaching. I solemnly charge you, don't oppose it. Don't oppose it. You can check things with God's word, but don't oppose it. Be open. This person vigorously opposed the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Come to a place where Paul finally says, he's harmed me. May the Lord repay him. So this is where, this is what we must understand. We are living in a generation which is accumulating for themselves, teachers in accordance according to their desires, but opposing the teaching that God wants them to have. Are you understanding this? They have teachers substituting the teaching that God has for them. Are you with me? You can have teachers as substitutes for the teaching that God has for you. Not that you don't have teachers. You have teachers, but it's a substitute. It's a, it's a replacement. You have replaced the teaching that God wanted you to have. And you, you replace it with, with teachers. Why? Because you opposed. Say opposed. You vigorously opposed the teaching. So what happens eventually? The next, the next step is, as you vigorously oppose the teaching, you are accumulating for yourself teachers in accordance to your own desires. And that will not go well with you. That will not go well with the church. As a church, we must be on the alert. Amen. We must be on the alert. The standard that we must follow must be the word of God. Amen. The word of God. Amen. The word. The, it, it should not be our experience. It should not be what we have been, we, we've heard. It should not be what we have read. It should be what the Bible says. The, what the word says. Amen. If the word says something, agree to it. Amen. If the word says something, agree to it. Amen. Agree to it. Don't oppose the teaching. Don't oppose, oh, but that happened that time. Now it won't happen. That's the, that's the problem. You're opposing the teaching. You're opposing the teaching. Are you with me? Be given to live the full potential of God's word, the full potential of God's word, and put the word of God to work. You must put it to work. You must put it to work. Don't look at what you're feeling, what you're going through, what you've seen, what you've learned. Put the word of God to work. Because the word will not lie. Your circumstance can lie. Your situation can lie. The word will not lie. It has the power to make you what it is saying about you, about your situation. It will will change you, it will transform you. It is the power of God to transform you into the likeness of God. Is the imperishable seed. The seed which will not die. Every other philosophy that you embrace will perish on the way. But God's word will not perish. It will, it will come forth. It will come forth in its time. It will show up. It will show up. Never lose hope. Never lose focus of what the word can do in your life. So preach the word. Preach the word. Say preach the word. All of you say preach the word. Only the word. Not philosophy. Say preach the word. Not what comes to your mind. Preach the word. Preach the word. Believe the word. Follow the word. Only the word.